Hi, this is Steve Davis. You're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation, and in this episode, we'll be discussing FC Dallas's 3-2 win over Sporting Kansas City, the two matches prior, and we'll be given a little bit of an FC Dallas mid-season report card. With me this week is Jonathan Ross. Howdy, Jonathan. Hey, Dustin. I'm uh, excited to be talking a little FC Dallas, you know, three-game win streak. Yeah, how could I not be excited? Highlight of the weekend. That's right. <laughs> and here with us this week as well, with his red ink pen to help us do some grading, is one half of the best MLS broadcasting duo there is. It's Steve Davis. Welcome, Steve. Howdy, boys. Appreciate you having me on. We're glad you. We're glad you're here. All right, so let's uh, let's start out with just a, a wee bit of news um, that's broken since the last time we've all kind of got together, and that is that. Uh, Zdenek Andresik, Cobra, he has has left the club. He's been transferred to Victoria Pulzinia for a reported fee of about a million bucks or so. Um, I, it, is this one is a, we've kind of already talked about it a little bit. Steve, let's let's start with you. What are your thoughts on that whole uh, Cobra Cobra Gate, as it would be? Oh, I hate that you call it Cobra Gate. Um, <laughs> so I, I know there's a. a a curiosity out there whether there's something more to this uh you know he was unhappy with the club the club was unhappy with him his starting position had been taken away <clears throat> and i can tell you without you know too many of the details this was absolutely a, a, a personal situation uh, that came up sort of uh, in a hurry and i the, the club liked him i know lucci likes him lucci loves him uh, and I know, you know, he likes it around here or liked it around here. Uh, just some things happened very quickly. And it literally uh, uh, on the day before, which uh, which game was that? Just a week and a half. But, man, the games have come so fast recently. I get them all. They, they, they're all scrambled legs in there. But anyway, uh, so it was just like uh, a Tuesday that Mark Followell and I were uh, doing our little broadcast call on the day before a game with – with um, Lucha Gonzalez. It was before they traveled to Minnesota. Um, and he said, yeah, and uh, here's and he gives us the 20-man roster. And, and he said, uh, Cobra's on it, but I just somebody somebody just said there's a deal with Cobra, and I, I guess I got to go talk to him about it. That was Tuesday before they, before they left for Minnesota on Wednesday. And he didn't go on the trip, and by that sat four days later, you know, he was, he was gone. So it all happened quick, and I can just tell you, it's, it was just a personal thing, and he needed yeah. to get back. Yeah, I, I think the thing there that that uh, is the big takeaway is just the, uh, reiterating that the club is really, really intent on doing the right thing for the player. If the player feels they need to go or something they need to change, then the club is more than happy to to help them and, and wish them luck and. You know, he, he's already playing and scoring goals over there, so best of luck to uh, Cobra. Yeah, and we've seen, I agree, Dustin, that we've seen this over and over again from FC Dallas. I think uh, I don't have as long of a FC Dallas tenure as uh, Steve does, but uh, I think Javon Watson's probably the first one that jumped out to mind for me, which was, I think, 2016, uh, where, you know, he had some, I think, family issues too. 
uh, that he wanted to go uh, live back in the Northeast. And so I made an agreement to, to, to transition outside of FC Dallas. Um, agreed, this one feels like it is one of those ones that's best for everybody involved. Um, happy for happy for Cobra. Happy he's getting um, some playing time, and I think that the fact that they were able to execute it on quickly from you know in in a two week period from you know being announced that he was away for personal reasons to already starting for another club, I think that's uh, it, it's really good for everybody. They they kind of got it done and over with. The I guess the the other thing that that's happened since. Uh, from a from a big news perspective, since the last time we had a podcast was uh, the anniversary. Uh, I think it's nine years since the death of uh, uh, you know a, an FCD uh, it, stalwart, you know a, a a big player for the for the club, as well as you know did a lot of things uh, after his playing days were over for FC Dallas. Uh, Steve, I, I know that uh, you know you've got some remembrances that. You, you said, "Hey, you know, you wouldn't mind sharing, and we appreciate it." Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your your own Bobby Ron story? So, you know, it, it takes just three or four minutes to tell the story, and it's really it, it's sort of a story about me with Bobby. So, I hope everybody I, I didn't sort of oversell that, um, uh, but it's just it's what I think about every time you know this anniversary rolls around. It, it was just uh, after one game a few years ago where uh, Bobby and I and a couple of people, uh, I'm pretty sure Steve Jolly was there too. I think he was on the broadcast that day. Um, and, and Bobby and I had talked about going to my little local spot. And so we, uh, it was a night game. So we go over there, we have a, a beer and a bite. And uh, it was a night game. So we, we, you know, we had to kind of get in and out pretty quick because the place was closing up. It was late. And um, I, I walk out and it, we're saying goodbye. And this woman, like from across the street, she starts pointing at me and she says, you, you. I'm like, oh, oh, what, 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 what? And then, and Bobby looks over at me and says, Steve, what'd you do? And I said, Bobby, I was with you. What do you mean what I do? I didn't do anything. And, and uh, she starts running over to me and she just, she's hammered out of her head. And she's like, a lady hit your car. Cause she, I was about to get my car right then. And she's like, a lady hit your car. I've called the police. They're coming. And I'm like, what, what? And I looked down and sure enough, somebody kind of hit my car, but it wasn't that bad. And, and so, and right about then the, the police are pulling up and because she's called like a hit and run, there's hit and run, you know, and then because she's again she's hammered, and so the, now I know the owner, the, the manager of the bar, and he walks out, he hears the commotion. So now the police are there, and you know he's trying to calm everybody down, and you know it's it's two a.m. and the people leaving his bar. Now the police are there, and uh, he's like, uh, I know, you know, now officer, I, I know Mr. Davis over here, and uh, I know his friends, and everybody's good, and we're gonna get this sorted out. But we appreciate you guys coming by, we support you, and uh, thanks, we don't need you, we we got it, and right about then. Whack! You hear something, and I turn around, and somebody else has hit my car. Like a second person has hit my car. Now, what it turns out is is the kind of the local weed dealer. He's there, and he's gotten scared because now by now there's a second police car pulling in because he thinks there's a hit and run. Uh, so, so they've pulled in, and uh, the guy got scared, backed up too quick, and hit my car. So now the police are looking at us, looking at the manager, and the police are like looking at us all like. Guys, what's 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 going on here? We, we we're about to get out and arrest everybody here. So the bar owner uh, turns back to me and he says, "Okay, look, I know Mr. Davis and I know this man that just hit his car. That's Zach. Zach, you're going to give your information to Mr. Davis. Mr. Davis, you're going to take the information. Officers, we appreciate you guys here. We support you, and we don't need you here. And thank you very much because again, there's people pouring out of the bar at 2 a.m. So Bobby is laughing 
And he looks over at me and says, Steve, this is your mess, man. I'm going home. And he just kind of laughs. We have, we have a nice little moment about it. And he lives real, real close. And he's uh, going home and he says goodbye. And um, um, that, that was it. That's the last time I saw Bobby Ryan. That was uh, that, that night. Um, he calls me a couple of days later and he says, uh, he says hey, Steve, um, uh, you've been real nice about being on a radio show. It's a radio show that he and Mark Stein had, had started, uh, ESPN Soccer Today. So you, and he, was, he, he had me on as a guest pretty much every week. And he's like, we're, we're done with, uh, with, with your freebies. We're, let's get you on the show and pay you. Uh, as, a, as a permanent member, and he said, um, uh, "I'm going to Florida for a few days with my family, and when I get back, let's 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 get that hammered out." And of course, that's where he, uh, you know, he went to Florida, and uh, he had the heart attack, and so that's it. That's the last time I saw Bobby Ryan, and that's wow. why I like telling that's why I like telling that story because it just it always you know it's, it's it was a nice thing with with Bobby that kind of a fun story. Yeah, and then you had the the Soccer Today show that went on for a number of years until I think I think just just what around yep. March April this year, right? So, yep, that's that's correct. That's a that's a great story. I'm just wondering what kind of shady places you were taking Bobby to, though. You know, with the with the pots the the the, the pot dealer and the you know people people pouring mm-hmm. out, but it's just the old Lakewood Landing, man. Yeah. Nah, th- thank thanks for thanks for sharing, Steve. I think uh, you know. It's it is always good to look back and and remember you know the the personal side of 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 individuals. Um, I know a lot of people under, know about Bobby as a player, um, or have listened to some of his old announced games. I actually went back and listened to um, the the highlights from the that very last match, which was a FC Dallas versus SKC match right before he went to Florida. So about the time that uh, you were going to the bar with him, so. Uh, it's it's it is always good to, to to look back, especially you know in September, and think uh, think some positive thoughts about Bobby and his family. So, <laughs> to change the tone a little bit, um, Dustin, let's talk about some things that are a little bit more recent. Uh, so FC Dallas uh, went out and uh, and played. So let's, let's go back to Houston, which would have been uh, September twelfth. Uh, it's a two-one win. Uh, this was Ricarte's first start for FC Dallas. Was there any big takeaways that you have uh, coming coming out of that match? Yeah, so I think there's there's two big takeaways from that match, um, and every, I think everybody knows what they are, right? There's there's the Ricarte goal, and then there's kind of the the emergence of Brian Reynolds as like the debutante, the the the. No, I wouldn't say replacement, but like the the new man taking over that right back spot for FC Dallas, um, and you know, the, it was it was a good match. It was fun to watch. Um, I yeah, I don't really have anything else to talk about with that one. It's uh, oh Zobek, Zobek uh, came in. He got team of the week. That was a that was a highlight. I think there was the the FC Dallas media had the the video of him learning that he got uh, named to the team of the week. And it was an utter shock and surprise. It was a really fun video to watch. I think that was his, that was his second start, right? Cause I think he had started the week before in Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, anytime that you can get points against Houston is, is great. Uh, obviously Ricarte was a huge difference in, in that match, right? So not only, uh, you know, that, that, you know, absolute banger that he hit on the 29th minute, uh, but also just the way that he changed 
the the way that FC Dallas played, especially in that match, right? You could see uh, him really take command of of the midfield. Uh, you know, some of our first first thoughts, and you know, I was I had the uh, the opportunity of actually sitting physically next to Dustin for that match, uh, which was which was kind of cool. First time uh, that we got to, to to spend any any time together since since all this uh, fun started with COVID, so back in March. Um, the other thing I think that that stood out to me was just uh, you know the amount of of defensive work that he, that Ricardo was putting in. So I think that uh, both Dustin and I kind of looked at each other and kind of nodded our head and said, "Hey, you know maybe uh, maybe there's a little bit of something here." I don't know, Steve, if you had any uh, any big thoughts coming out of that match. Yeah, I, I mean it's too bad that uh, we're in a way that we're talking so much about Ricardo because uh, we would have been talking about Brian Reynolds otherwise, but. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 67 touches for Ricarte. Um, also, just the way he made it his team immediately, uh, directing traffic and orchestrating through the midfield, demanding the ball at certain certain points, and I don't mean demanding in a bad way, but just really making himself available and, and sort of encouraging his teammates, you know, give me, give me the ball, it's okay, I'm in a tight spot, it's okay, I, w- I still want the ball here. Um, giving uh, Franco Hara somebody to combine with, which I think he was desperately lacking in that mm-hmm. in that zone fourteen right at the top of the penalty area. So uh, you, you know, and, and you sort of wondered uh, in that second half when it came in against Minnesota, and at that start, did we set the bar very very high? You know, if you remember, like Pablo Arangis came in and his first start was he was amazing, and then he never right. and he never achieved that level again. I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah, it, it was it was a terrific debut for him. I thought. And plus, anytime you can get points uh, playing Houston, it, it always gives it you know it gives a little extra smile to to those of us who follow FC Dallas. Sure. Do we know if that's the last match with Houston, or because there possibly one more? We, we, well, we don't know because we don't know what they're going to do yeah. with the schedule. <laughs> it, it is really. I mean, I, I think that the, when you talk to the people who are who you know that are. D- directly associated with MLS, they keep referring to the fact that it's going to be very unbalanced. And we've already we've already seen that the schedule is um, they're trying to keep all the games regional. So and I would I would not be surprised to have when it's got to be in the next what week or so that they come out with the rest of the schedule. Uh, I expect I mean, we might have one or two more games against Houston. Who knows? Gotcha. Well, that's well, that's one one good positive step in, in the search of get, winning the 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 Texas Derby the uh, the El, El Capitan. Capitan. That's yeah. right. All right, well, uh, let's move ahead, what, four days? <laughs> and uh, head up to FC Dallas versus, versus Colorado. Um, Colorado came to town, got a, uh, and FC Dallas got a 4-1 to win. Um, it's pretty much the same same lineup uh, as, as up against Houston. Uh, although we kind of saw maybe like the emergence of, of Santi Mascara coming out and, and having a coming out party. Jonathan, what were your takeaways? Which, which, which was something that uh, he, he desperately needed to have. Um, but that's the, I'm hoping, ho- hopefully it's a, it's a coming out party, not just a, you know, a pop in for a minute. Um, but, but well, first off you mentioned, you know, so Lucci rolled out the, the same lineup. Uh, I, I think some of us were wondering if, you know, after the, after the Houston win, if he would make any rotations or if he was going to wait until um, until his last match with uh, with SKC. Uh, obviously, Lucci, you know, was happy with the way the team performed, went in with the with the same uh, same lineup. One of the things that jumped out to me was and we saw this uh, against Minnesota, too. 
the first 20, 30 minutes uh, when FC Dallas sits back in a, in a low block, I mean, they have sometimes have difficulty getting out of their own half. Uh, we saw that, you know, Minnesota, like I said, was and that was a, a, a three man, three center back formation. So it's a different formation. Right. And I, they made some adjustments uh, in that game to try to open up the midfield a little bit. You saw the same thing. And the, the first in, Houston match in the first. Yes. And we saw it against Colorado. So it's and I know we're not going to we haven't gotten into SKC, but I mean, honestly, we saw some of it there, too. So it's it's interesting that there's been a trend of FC Dallas. I know that Lucci's talked about really wanting to set a, a defensive foundation and start there. Um, but it's, it's watching them absorb pressure. It, I, I just I kept waiting for uh, for Colorado to to score that first goal. Right. And, if, and obviously, if that happens, it's 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 a very different match than it turned out to be. Yeah, it's got the, one of those those clinchers, those butt clinchers. Hmm. <laughs> It was, and we've we've seen we've seen a lot of that uh, almost emer- emergency defend emergency defending. I think and I think it was Steve. You mentioned uh, Ricarte kind of taking taking ownership of the team. I think it was him even early on in that uh, in that match against against Colorado that was actually yelling at some of the people to to push forward, right? Because mm-hmm. they were getting pinned back quite a bit against yeah. Colorado. Um, obviously, Santi you know, hat trick. I'll throw it to you, Steve, I guess. First, first off, what do you I mean? He, he got three goals, I think different quality with the different ones. What is your kind of, what's your, what's your take on you know, Santi's performance in that match? And then do you think it's an aberration or do you think that this is, you know, potentially the start of something else? It's a good question. And uh, he's got to show us that it's not just an aberration. Um, he, by the way, credit to Lucci. I don't think Santi Mascara had a very good game in Houston. Uh, maybe owing somewhat to limited options at, on the left side. Lucci stuck with him uh, against Colorado. And it's, it was interesting that um, at 20 minutes or so, I don't think Lucci was having a very good game. And I forget when that first goal went in, but and he pops up in the right spot to get on the end of that Mikey Barrios cross. And immediately he looks like a different player. And, and I think he's a guy that it, it needs some, you know, some players can just play through it. They don't. It doesn't matter what happens, but he looks like a guy who – Need some confidence. All of a sudden, he had some confidence. You could see he was a changed guy, and he pops up in a couple of other places. And they they weren't necessarily uh, well. One was a pretty uh, one was a good finish that he creates off the you know working off the turnover. Uh, another one was just popping up at the right spot and then picking out the corner. So uh, you know, look, it, there's no there's no secret here. He's a designated player. He's on a high salary. He has to produce more than what he's done. Mm-hmm. And that's a darn good start, getting a hat trick in a game that they really need to needed to win. So we'll see. It's up to him now because uh, subsequently the match against uh, Sporting Kansas City, I don't think he uh, he didn't do anything impressive there. So he's got to seize the opportunity and, and, and seize the momentum here and, and take it and run with it. Yeah, and he, he did have that brief opening with uh, with with you know Fafa coming back from injury, kind of opened up you know. There's, you mentioned a little bit, you know, FC Dallas doesn't have a ton of options um, for, for wingers, at least not experienced options. Right. So uh, you know, this is, this is Santi's opportunity to, to actually prove that, you know, that it's not that aberration. Um, that second goal was the one that actually kind of impressed me a little bit was just because it was, you know, I think he actually forced the turnover and it was very cool and composed, right. He just took his time. He had the space, he scored the goal. So it was, it was uh, a confident goal, right? Uh, 
part of the other things that I that I'd noticed, and we and we've seen it outside of just this match too, is that um, Lucci's allowing the team to play a lot more direct than we've seen in last season for sure. Uh, you know, where they were very very focused on possession based. We we saw in in that match, we found it in a, in a, in a few other ones early early in the year where it seems like uh, they don't have to build up through the midfield, right? They're doing a lot more direct balls, and I think that probably plays a little bit more into uh, probably Santi's and and Fafa's game. So um, we'll see we'll see what kind of impact that makes. Uh, the only other thing I guess you know big that I that I took away was I mean Hara again. You know, third third goal, uh, and you know, obviously he's got five now. But you know, third goal in that match uh, was a a a cross uh, that you know he took it uh, or he <laughs> he finished it. Uh, it was a a, a Ziegler cross. Uh, Hara finished it in the goal. I think that was the third goal of the night for FC Dallas. Uh, it was really good to see you know him continuing to. Uh, to prove his value for the, for the team and get on the score sheet. Yeah. And I think with Hara, you, you're still, I think he's still getting into match fitness. I think that he, every game he gets a little bit more fit. You see him running a little bit more and for a little bit longer. And so I, I think, I think it'll be uh, really good to see him in, you know, four or five games and see what kind of things he can produce. Then if, if I think he's just getting started. I, I would agree, and I, and I think uh, Dustin too. We've we've also seen, I think, over the last couple of matches with with Hara, is that uh, he's getting better service, and so he's not having to mm-hmm. work back. You know, a lot of times he was he was coming back way into the midfield to get the ball just to get touches, uh, and I think. Uh, part of that's the introduction of Ricarte. I think part of it is just the team being more used to playing with him, and I think that's that's improving uh, his ability to to produce. So hopefully that is a is a start of a trend we'll continue to see through the through the next few matches. For sure, and you know we let's let's use that as a transition point to talk about Sporting Kansas City yesterday. It, we we you mentioned Ricarte giving him better service and giving him you know another some more. Uh, a partner kind of up front and in, in, in the possession uh, against Kansas city, Ricarte was on the bench. So, but he still managed two goals. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that, uh, that sporting Kansas city match. Uh, Steve, what were your big takeaways from the three, two win over sporting Kansas city? Oh man, sporting Kansas city just, just, just didn't want to take the win. Did they just, no. uh, just, just try to give it away. Well, one thing that I think was interesting, um, you know, Jonathan talked a minute ago about Dallas absorbing pressure. I, I actually think this that this construction of the team, I think that's something they do pretty well because they sat back and absorbed a lot of pressure. Sometimes you looked at it and you thought too much, but you, uh, but you know, to be honest, I haven't seen this team do this in, uh, uh, over the years. Uh, didn't do it under Oscar, haven't done it under Lucci, but a lot of times against Sporting Kansas City, they were just kind of conceding the wings and saying, uh, you you can you can cross the ball. We're just not going to let Gerso try to drive into the penalty area or Johnny Russell try to drive into the penalty area. But but you can go ahead and stay out there and cross these balls in because Hedges and Ziegler will take care of that. And they pretty much did because if, if you think about it, for all the possession Kansas City had, um, how often was Jimmy Maurer really stretched? You know how you know he had to come catch the balls and he had a, he fielded a couple of shots that went right at him from long range. What else did he have to do? He never really had to extend himself. 
So I think that's something that the team really did well. And I, I thought Lucci's um, strategy early of not trying to play out of the back, but if they're going to press high and they're going to uh, play a high defensive line, is drop those balls right over the top. And Matt Hedges and a couple of other guys were dropping some great balls over the top. They had Dallas had six shots on goal at the half and on the road. And I can tell you there have been plenty of games this year for a while, Dallas was stuck on five shots on goal for their high for the game. So the, the, the tactic was working. Uh, then they sort of lost uh, the, the, They lost a, too much possession. Uh, Kansas City allowed, it allowed Kansas City to get back in the game. And then, my heavens, Kansas City, what, their defense is a mess. Uh, Kansas City just didn't want to win in the end. Graham Zeus had given that ball away. In the end, it was the three most expen- uh, most experienced defensive players, Matt Beasler, Ilya Sanchez, and, and uh, Graham Zussi, making big mistakes that uh, gave FC Dallas the goals. But you still got to score them. So credit to FC yeah. Dallas. That's a, that's a huge road win. For sure. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, having having to score them, I mean, that's uh, the, the fact that FC Dallas is finishing those goals this year is is a testament and that makes a makes a huge difference because if you think about it i mean the flip side right you, you you said that uh uh you know fc dallas wasn't tested that much early right but mm-hmm. you know part of that was also gerso you know, he, he missed an absolute sitter in like the 30th minute right from yeah, five Absolutely. yards out just just yes. <laughs> just i mean that that should have been back of the net uh, i think Absolutely. he had another one about 10 minutes before that went that went off the crossbar um so sometimes it comes down to just who can finish, right? And yep. FC Dallas right now is the team that's for across a lot of the players, right? I'm sure we'll talk about some that haven't had that luck, but across a lot of the players, you're starting to see at least a little bit more consistency in front of goal, which has been an Achilles heel of, of FC Dallas for the last few seasons. Yeah. For me, there was there were three things, three players that, that I really enjoyed watching in that game. Um, I enjoyed... Seeing Fafa Pico kind of pick on on Martins on that right side, like like Steve was saying, dropping those balls over there, and like you could tell that they were kind of focusing over there on that side, and um, really just letting Fafa do his fast foot eat thing or whatever whatever the the saying is, fast feet don't eat or something. Slow, slow, slow feet, feet don't, don't eat. eat. Slow yeah. feet don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Same. You know what I'm saying. Uh, then the other thing was that I enjoyed watching was that that Johnny versus Johnny matchup, like part two, round part two. Um, it was kind of a repeat of the matchup that was so entertaining the first time FC Dallas watched or played uh, Sporting KC, where uh, Johnny Nelson got the start at left back and and kind of really shut down uh, Johnny Russell and and made some last dish efforts saves and like you were saying a little bit earlier Steve um you know he was keeping him out of the box in this match he was doing a real good job i think towards the end russell got that goal um but i mean i i like what i'm seeing from johnny nelson and i i i think that i'm not worried if hollingshead doesn't get to play at left back anymore um i think think he's more than proved that he is capable uh, of, of filling in and I think he's got some, some upside to him as well uh, that we haven't seen yet and that we won't see for a little while uh, and then the third thing that that just really made me smile was Tanner Tessman on the ball um, every time oh, I think almost every game I just surprised I surprised myself at how surprised I am with how composed he is whenever he's got the ball at his feet there's there's this one is about like the 21st minute uh, 
where he got the ball and he did this spin and he took two players out of the midfield out of the game and just then he had free reign to go right at the defense uh, and make a play and like I don't know it just it's so entertaining to watch and I enjoy watching that. Yeah, you know he he is very tidy on the ball. I know the exact moment you're talking about. He's spawned that it was a quick little uh, right foot left foot and he was by those guys and that was really. It's really nice. Now, look, uh, he's he's young, and he's got some things to learn in his defensive positioning and how he reacts in certain transition moments and, and moments where the ball gets played behind him. You know, what, what is he doing in those moments? But but that's dialing it in, man. That's that, that, that's things that with a little bit of video study, you know, they can they can show him and work with him a little bit. Uh, that just composure on the ball and the ability to think quick and, and create space, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much, you know, Videos they could they could uh, they you know they could show him to help him with that stuff. So he's uh, uh, and look uh, he started the first two games in March. Then he wasn't playing as they came back. And uh, you know at, at one point I know you know Lucci kind of all coaches look for the reaction. How's this player reacting? And clearly he he did okay and he got back in the lineup. And you know, that could have been a moment when he dropped his head a little bit, but clearly he didn't. And uh, uh, I, I think it's. Turning out to be a great season for him. Absolutely, and and they're um, and Lucci's and Lucci's letting him progress too, right? And so uh, we saw this we saw this earlier with Acosta too before he got injured. Is that uh, I, I think Lucci played him for a couple of games with a defensive first mind, right? And then the last couple of matches he's let him be more of a linking eight, and I think that, that plays really well into Tessman's game. Um, and so it's it's giving him the opportunity to actually have moments like that where I think early on he didn't, right? I think that uh, Lucci purposely was wanting to build him up, get some confidence, have him play defense first. Um, but the last couple of matches, yeah, Tessman's looked, looked uh, fantastic. For sure. The, the, there's kind of a talking point, I guess, about the end of the match and probably the last 20 minutes of the match where uh, there might have been, um, we'll call it some meta play. Yeah, gamesmanship. Um, and Peter Vermees was pretty hot about it after the match. Steve, do, what do you make of all that? Do Do you think that FC Dallas is was playing dirty or or like I don't know shithousery? If you go back and listen to Johnny Russell's comments uh, after the game, uh, I, I like what he said. He said, "Yeah, you know, there's probably a little too much of it." The way he described it, he, he said, look, when you when you take the lead, you've earned the right to manipulate the clock a little bit, and everybody does it, and he's right. And he said FC Dallas maybe did it a little bit more, uh, but he kept saying, and he said it about three times, and I really respect this. He said, that's not the reason we lost the game. You know, whereas you listen to Peter, he, he sort of made it, you know, maybe it's strategic on Peter's part, you know, I'm going to protect my team and my players and myself a little bit by making it, you know, by making that the focal point, Um you know, but it's also Peter. I mean, he's right. he's so emotional about things, and I really respect the guy as a coach. And you know, and I like you know, and he's he's helped me before. And you know, and calling into our radio show, and you know, and if I call him to when I was you know writing stories, he'd, he'd always call back. And, and I always respect that. But he's so emotional about about his team and about things that he doesn't see things clearly. And some of the same things that he'll bitch about, um, his his team is doing. Everybody does it, you know, and his team. Um, you know, his team is for years and years has been the king of fouling and tactical fouling in that ten yard area between uh, ten yards either side of the midfield. You just look at the at, at the foul charts and, um, and and you know basically he's taken advantage of the fact that Major League Soccer referees for a long time I think they're getting a lot better at it, but they just weren't sophisticated enough to recognize 
tactical fouling and then and then and caution it you know appropriately and so everybody takes advantage of of, of what they can and just uh, Peter just sometimes you get so tired you just I think if I was a referee, I'd just begin the game by telling him to shut the F up. Just let me referee <laughs> the game today, you know. You coach yep. your team, you know. Or, or maybe go over and yell at him every, team is team, every time his team, you know, uh, lets in a stupid goal, which they did three times <laughs> against Dallas. Go over there and yell at him about it. Because it, it, sometimes it's just too much for Peter. That's all. <laughs> I, I thought it was quite funny watching uh, – I couldn't hear what they're saying, but watching uh, him and Lucci after the match – and and you could just see about body language. It was almost like Lucci was patting his back and saying, "Man, it'll be it'll be all right." You know. Well, well, let's, way, let's, let's he, move he, on. he was saying, yeah. "I was reading his lips." He was saying, "That's fine. That's fine." Speaking of disrespectful, uh, your, your your team just lost at home, and instead of congratulating the coach, you're just you, you, you're you're you you know. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, we could, we we could go on about that, but. Yep. There was there were uh, it was a colorful, uh, I'd say end of the half. What? How many yellow cards were there? Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, that I see. Yeah, and, and Sa- Santos so had he, to he, beg for his too. He did. He was not getting out of there without getting his him. yellow card. Yep. Chelowitz is one of the least or less experienced referees, and I think he, yeah, he, he lost a little bit of control out of that one. They looked uh, not to pick on him, but the the, the pandemic, uh, all of it. They're trying to uh, regionalize the referees as well, so they're. Sometimes they're using referees in situations where maybe they wouldn't, but it's that's that's what it is right now, and that's that's okay too. Yeah, I definitely had the feel of I the referee was felt like he was losing a little control, and he was trying to get it back by using the card yeah, to but try it's to. Too late, then, isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, with that yellow card, Tiago Santos will miss the next match on yellow card accumulation, which means that there's a little bit of a. A question mark with since Brian Acosta will also miss the next match with his red card uh, suspension. So the question is, who's going to be playing that defensive midfield uh, role for FC Dallas? Oh, well, here, let me ask this question. Maybe a guy who got a maybe a guy who got a red card last night too. Does that okay? So let's set there, Steve. If you get a red card in USL, can you play the next match in MLS? You know what? That, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's that was my first question when I saw Edwin Surreal get that red card. I, I don't know. I will find. I will, I will find out. But I haven't found I, out yet. Today. I would assume that they could. I, I would think so. I've never seen. I, I don't. I don't see anything in the MLS rules around because they're not. I mean, they're separate leagues, right? Per separate competition. Yes. Yeah. Because they don't carry across for Open Cup, right? So Open Cup. No, that's, Cup, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Yep. Okay. Well, unless, unless it's a Clint Dempsey situation where you're, you're actually <laughs> well. banned by the Federation for a little while. <laughs> well, let's just assume that that Edwin Serio might be able to come up. Do we think that we'll see him play that that position? So uh, I, I know he's number two on the depth chart, uh, although we know things do get moved around there. Uh, it could be Tanner Tessman. You know, that, that guy in that holding spot has a lot of responsibilities with the ball. Uh, now, Surreal understands that, that position, and that's why I think it would probably in the end will be Surreal because he understands uh, you know, the angles and the responsibilities of, of build out of the back, whereas Tanner, is, it's different uh, when you're with the eight or the, you know, the, the, the eight or ten you have the, the uh, patterns just look different for you, so I would think it's going to be surreal, but uh, it, it could be Brandon Serrania even. Well, that's a good point. 
He'll go from playing at uh, the number 10 to the number 6. Maybe. In that case, he would be. Well, I'm assuming that number 10 spot's going to be taken with a Ricarte next match, unless unless there's something going on that we're not aware of. But um, sure. I'm assuming that that was just a, just a rest in the last match. We shall see. So FC Dallas travels to Atlanta on Wednesday um, to face a, I don't know, depleted... Uh, I don't know. How would you describe Atlanta? Um, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not not pretty situation over there, but you know, um welcome to MLS, I guess. <laughs> welcome to um, MLS without uh when you sell players and uh without your 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 great goal scorer, yep. uh, Joseph yep. Martinez. Yeah, yep. So we we'll see how FC Dallas is, I think the last time they went over to Atlanta they, they took a, a win. They had a win. Um, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So we'll see if we're going to be able to do that again this time. All right, after, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will dole out some mid-season grades for the team, for Lucci, and kind of talk about some of the standouts and disappointments. Welcome back. We are here with Jonathan Roz and Steve Davis, and we're going to talk about some midseason grades. We're just past the midseason mark, I think, somewhere in there. We've got a, about half the season left to go before the playoffs, and we'd t- like to take the, the opportunity to kind of sit back and reflect on what, what has happened so far this season. You know, we've had two games before COVID and, you know, then the Horror Orlando situation and then we've kind of got back into the flow of things having a game every four days or so so let's just let's, let's take sit back let's talk about let's start with the team and, and give it a grade of a b c d or f like like we're in school mm-hmm. on on how we think the team as a whole is is doing so far this season um and we'll start with you steve uh i guess a b is what i would give them you know, I, I really think they lost an opportunity and having those two games at home against Nashville. Nashville, not as bad as a lot of people think. Uh, they have a good defensive foundation, but to only get one point out of a possible six at home against an uh, expansion team, that's that's not good enough. Now, from there, uh, I don't really see a bad result. Um, four, one, and two from that point. Uh, the, the loss was at Minnesota. Minnesota's a good team. They were pressing at the end. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know that uh, every, anybody saw this team as a – major MLS Cup challenger, especially one that if you said then they're going to lose Paxton Pomichol. So to be where they are right now, uh, high up in the standings, uh, on a three-game winning streak, uh, I say B. That's fair. How about you, Jonathan? I, I that That's that's what I would give him as well. I mean, they ignore all the – I mean, honestly, ignore all the, the, the long COVID break and almost even the stuff before that because – it almost feels like it was a whole whole other season. Uh, the Nashville matches that that was honestly it's a bit of a tough matchup, right? Because you're uh, as FC Dallas, you're playing your first uh, really kind of preseason match. You're trying to do a possession based offense against a team that's just going to sit back. Um, so I wasn't super surprised they didn't get uh, a good result there. And and since then things have have looked a lot better. Uh, you know, the a lot of formation changes, uh, some early losses, some some early uh, bad results, but 
uh, maybe maybe it's just you know glass half full looking because because we're having this conversation after a three game win streak where if we talked maybe two 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 games ago uh, yep. we might have given them a a different a different grade uh, but uh, I kind of I like Steve's Steve's thought uh, let's go with a, a nice solid B. Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to go with a, a B minus. I would go with a B, but Hard there, ass, huh? well, there's so I like where the so I think I don't think they'll end up at a B minus. I think they'll end up higher. I think that the upside of the season or the backside of the season is going to be a lot uh, more promising than than there. And there's a couple moments that really stick out in my head that kind of drop me from that B range to like a, a high B minus, and that would be the first half of the Houston match where they they just couldn't put passes together and they just looked so bad trying to get the ball out of their own zone. And it was just, it was, I was demoralizing as a fan to watch. Um, and it, it just kind of, it's like you watch it and it, it leaves an emotional mark in you. And, you know, I guess, um, Steve, as a journalist, you probably don't have that emotional mark there. We're still kind of in the fan territory here. So like that, that, and then, uh, there was another, yeah, the the, the um, Nashville matches as well kind of pull me back down out of that B territory. I don't mean to be, you know, a hard A, but I mean that's kind of where I landed on this question. Well, and they do have a good record overall. When you look at them, I think they're third right now uh, in in the West. It is a they they've had a very home heavy schedule though. I think there's seven home four away now after uh, mm-hmm. after last night's match. Uh, I. I don't know how much of a difference that makes in uh, Corona land. <laughs> uh, probably a little bit less without, uh, you know, especially when you're playing someplace that doesn't have fans, you would think that the impact is probably a little bit less than it would be in a normal year. But, uh, you know, overall pretty good. Now, now Dustin, uh, what about the, what about the, the, the man pulling the strings? You know, if you were to grade Lucci, where's, where would you put his performance at? Um, I'd say probably about the same. Um, I think it, here's the thing. The thing that, that you get with Lucci is you get a guy that's not afraid to try things and not afraid to try to learn. And, um, and sometimes when you, when you try when you're learning, you're going to have failures and you like, you've got to be okay with that. He's okay with it. Um, I mean, he doesn't, he wants to win. Uh, but, you know, he understands that he's not going to get it right all the time and he's still got a, so much to learn. Um, there are a couple of times where I think he, the tactics were just wrong. Um, and, you know, he'll admit as such. Um, but, but the thing that you don't get is just trying the same thing over and over again, um, hoping that it's going to work in the next game. He'll, he'll change things up. He'll go out. He'll, he's not afraid to change. And, you know, um, as long as we're, we're okay with that, then I think – I think that uh, you know, it, it's not been a bad, bad first half of the season for him. Um, but I think that you know, there's still some learning to do. And I kind of like that. I mean, looking back, that some of the stuff that Lucci's done with playing with tactics, I'd much rather he did that now than um, you know try to roll out a new formation, you know, in the playoffs or whatever, right? Or, or yeah. late, late in the season when. Uh, you know, might be a little bit, I guess in the end, all the points count the same, but you know, a lot of times at the end, you're trying to, trying to push forward. So it's, even though they all haven't worked out, I, I, I kind of like the idea that he's trying things. Yeah. And the the thing that you see this season, like after 
the COVID break that you saw last season. Remember that we had the same complaints at the beginning of last season where we're like, well, there's just no offensive being created. There's no chances being created. Um, but was, the defense is playing really well. What well, was the opposite um, though? It was because, but, but Lucci was not changing last year, right? If you think about it, you look at the early right. in the season, it was always, I mean, you know, six, 600 passes, lots of possession, but no chances, right? Yeah. Well, like what I'm getting, what I'm getting at though, is that like he, he kind of treats it as like as a progression, where he'll start with the base and the foundation, and then he adds a little bit on every week. And every week they work on something else in training, and every week you see it kind of loosen up a little bit and being able to play uh, more situationally than than uh, strictly kind of uh, scripted that you kind of felt like at the beginning of the season. I don't know. I, I, that's what I've kind of noticed. Uh, am I off the bar? If I'm, am I off the mark there, Steve? No, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you, you know, for me, the the, the grade is a, is a B plus, uh, and it's not an, an A because of what you just said. Uh, and he did overthink some things. Uh, he overthought the Minnesota lineup. I think he overthought the lineup that uh, uh, one of the lineups against Nashville. But again, you know, credit for it's not a it's a B plus, not a B because he's he's trying these things and. And he said, uh, hey, I, you know, I put Ryan at center back. I thought it would work. Uh, it didn't work. I changed it, and I raised my hand, and I put Ryan in a bad spot. So, um, and, and, and as you guys said, look, 8 of 12 teams make the playoffs. And Major League Soccer, the model has long been, you know, just you know, use those first couple of months, to, even three months uh, on a regular season, to get things right, to be right by the end, because a lot of teams get to make the playoffs. So you want to try all this experimentation early. I, I, I 100% agree with you. And if you're ever going to do it, this is probably the year to do it because, I mean, there's even if they award a supporter shield, I mean, it's not everything's going to be so unbalanced. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be really worth the same as it would be in a normal year. So, and this is a really if good you're going to win the supporter shield. This is the year to do it with LAFC sure. not playing very well. Well, that too. <laughs> and by the way, uh, let me also say about Lucci this team has dealt with a lot. Right, uh, and uh, I mean a lot. I know a lot of teams did, but Dallas and Nashville in particular. But even Dallas, you know that uh, Jesse, that situation, uh, Cobra, that situation, uh, and, and you know, of course, the whole COVID kerfuffle. Um, you know, the team has had to deal with a lot. And Lucci is an inexperienced coach. I think he could have handled things differently, but he keeps saying um, he, he he keeps telling us, you know, uh, that there are times when he'd like to be a little harder, but he thinks that the only way to approach right now is just with a lot of love and support for the players and so uh, and look and look where they are and look how they've sort of sort of emerged out of it and I, I think i think you have to credit it for that i would i would i would agree and i guess i didn't i i also agree kind of with your your b plus take i think overall uh he, he's done well I, I wouldn't give him an a because there's been a, a couple of i would say tactical mistakes that he would he would admit to um, but this is, yeah, this is, has to be one of the hardest years to coach, especially for a team like FC Dallas that had to go through what they did, uh, earlier in, in the year. Um, and it's, you know, they've, they've got some new faces too. Right. And so, uh, the, the team is changing, you know, changing, changing shape, changing personality a little bit this year. Um, and you know, he's been able to, he's been able to successfully manage that. Uh, I, I think, Obviously, the 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 better they do, the easier that is. So I think is if they continue to progress well, then it's it's yeah, it'll probably be uh, easier for him to coach and be successful. Uh, if the bottom falls out, you know, maybe maybe different. But you know, so far, 
uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've been pretty happy with, uh, with his results. This is a bit of a change from the last two times we've done these. I was the guy giving the the high marks and be kind of being the optimist and the the sunshine and roses guy. And and this one, this time, I'm I'm not. It's, I don't know how to deal with that. Like I don't, I don't know. It's a weird year for everybody, bud. <laughs> COVID has affected everybody. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk about kind of some players this this so far this season that have really just kind of stood out to you. That have, and we won't limit it to just one. We'll do we'll do two, one or two players that that has got your eye, got you excited about the team. It's really stood out to you, uh, Jonathan. Who's your standout player so far for the midseason? Well, it's it's kind of difficult because uh, part of it is it's not a surprise because if it, it probably would have been the same last year, and that's uh, Hedges and Ziegler, right? Those are my th- those those two guys. Have been consistent last year. This year, uh, Steve uh, put something on Twitter when uh, when those two guys start in a four man back line. I think at the time it was four zero and three. That was before the last match. They're five zero and three. They just don't make very many mistakes. Uh, and as a, as a center back pair, that's really what you need them for. Uh, both those guys uh, we've seen we've seen Matt push up recently in the last couple of matches make some really good uh passes Ziegler's always had a pretty good long ball switching kind of switching pass uh and has done pretty well on on uh you know penalty kicks as well as uh some of the corners so those are if I if I'm taking the whole you know 11 games so you know most almost halfway through the season into consideration those are probably the two guys that have consistently uh played well Steve is there anybody that's but well, I guess to be first before I, before I hand it to Steve. But that being said, it's it's not a surprise. So it's not like it's a standout, right? I mean the the fact that Ziegler and Hedges are playing well, it's almost expected, right? Um, Steve, is there anybody that that jumps out at you? Uh, like you said, look, uh, Ziegler and Hedges have set a high bar and they've met it. Uh, I think uh, Hedges is so good. Sometimes maybe we don't give uh, Ziegler Reto Ziegler quite enough credit for being very consistent. Um, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. And the only thing I would add to that is I think Tiago Santos right in front of them has been very consistent. Is he a top five holding midfielder in major league soccer? Uh, no, I don't think so. Is he top 10 or will he soon be in the top 10 conversation? Yeah, you, you, you might, uh, you might start saying that. So, uh, I, I think those three, that triangle has made them very, uh, very dependable defensively has kept them very defensive, uh, very dependable defensively. So, Dustin, do you have he, an offensive player, or are you going to go defense too? No, there's a, we've got a theme here as mm-hmm. defense. Um, and I, I think for me, it's Jimmy Maurer. Um, he's he's come into a really hard situation and been really good and and really held his own in, in the between the sticks, as they say. Um, and he's been a leader too. Um, he's the he's the you know the the team representative to the MLSPA. Um, you know that's kind of more of the off the field side of things. But um, you know I think on the field him, and then I would I would echo Steve Steve's Tiago Santos shout. For me, I think I like what, what he does most of the time when he's got the ball. He's very very dependable, very um, uh, composure. There we go. He's got good, good composure. The thing that I'd like to see more that I think that would would help him move him up higher in, like, in that that continuum of of holding mids. It would be I think his 
he gets he has a tendency to get pulled out of position too often and leave the defensive line without somebody in front of them more often than I would like to see. Um, but that's that's a personal thing, and I'm okay. I, I'm, I'll I'll deal with it. Well, so. you, you you guys are gonna hate me because. Uh, I have him as listed as one of my biggest disappointments of the, disappointments of the year is, is Santos. And it's, okay. it, and, and part of it I think is the bar, right? And so I think in those two, two early matches, I saw him come in and it was, you know, maybe not quite like Ricarte, right? But I was like, oh my gosh, right? This is, this guy is really, really good. He's going to be a standout. He's a, he's a top five defensive mid midfielder in the league. The last, Man, last three or four matches, it seems like, and I don't know if this is he's getting worn down or whatever, uh, but almost like he's trying too hard. Um, he's not having as as consistent of uh, a placement in the in the formation. He's been picking up some easier fouls. Um, I I'm only disappointed in him because I I think early on I I was very surprised that you know as I, I was like hey maybe this is the guy that makes me forget about grazo right uh and that's that's a pretty that's a that's a high bar right uh so i think that part of my disappointment Carlos. yeah part of my disappointment is that uh i i i feel like he's not living up to some of his early season performances i, I don't know if you guys have seen that that same drop off or if, if i just you know was over elevating what i expected of him but I think it's both, man. I think I think he had a stellar first couple of matches against Nashville, um, and I think he he has pulled back a little bit. But I don't think that it's. I don't. I still think it's very good, like overall. I don't know. That's yeah, me. and for me, it was not. It wasn't. I mean, this is the the very first two matches, like before before COVID. That, oh, that was yes, the ones those that. Two. Yeah, those those two. I can't. Would have been yes. uh, got Montreal and Philadelphia. Oh, I just forget yeah. about those. It's just so yeah. forgettable. They, yeah, were, well, he, they were forever ago, but yeah. Yeah, he got forward a lot more in those two matches. And, uh, you know, it's funny because uh, that, that sixth position, that holding midfielder, uh, I mean, I remember going back, a buddy of mine that I played soccer with for a long time and knows a lot about the game, uh, having arguments about Thomas Dooley and at that sixth position. D- different people want different things out of that, out of that spot. Um, and, and I think that's fine, Jonathan. I, I think it's fine if you want a guy who's, a little bit more of a regista, a little bit more of a playmaker from that spot, or a little bit more of a guy who is willing to make late runs. Me personally, I want a guy at that spot who's always thinking, every moment he's thinking, what if we lose the ball right now? What if we lose the ball right now? Now the ball's over here. What if we lose the ball right now? Where am I? Where are the people around me? Check my shoulder all the time. So, But that's okay, you know. So uh, I, I think he's been solid, not spectacular. And by the way, to your point, he was terrible at Colorado, and I think he's just worn down. And I think Lucci knew that he had to give him a break at some point. Uh, and I think he just uh, assessed that, that let's just get through Kansas City, get your yellow card, get the, you know, let's get you, you know, let's kill two birds with, with that one. But, man, I think he just, you know, six is a hard spot, especially when mm-hmm. you, you know, you have different guys playing next to you. Sometimes it's Brandon Cervania. For a while it was Brian Acosta. Now it's Tanner Tessman. And here's Ricarte. So he's having to do an awful lot of work in there. I, I think he just got a little worn down. So who who's been kind of a disappointment for you so far this season, Steve? Um, this is a tough one because uh, I don't think Jesus Ferreira has had a good year. I don't think he's done enough uh, with his opportunities. That said, let's remember the guy's nineteen and he's been you know he's probably a striker who's being played as a ten. 
uh, or sometimes as a wing, and that's not easy for him. So, but I, I do want to see him do a little bit more when he uh, when he has the opportunities. Um, and this is kind of a funny one too. Um, I think Michael Barrios has lost a step. And you know, you say that, and you look at it, and he's had three assists recently. But man, what would their record be if he could finish? You know, uh, against Sporting Kansas City in that game that ended up as a one-one draw, or I, 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 we could just go on and, and, and name the. I mean, against uh, Sporting Kansas City, the, the last time when he's gifted a ball by Graham Susie, he still can't finish it. You know, it takes Ryan Hollington to clean that one up for him. So, um, I, I just, I, I just wonder if if he's he's twenty nine. I wonder if he's just lost a step now. Yeah, no. Uh, for me, for me, I think uh, he's also on my list. It's him uh, for the reasons you just mentioned. It, it, the the finishing, and I don't know whether it's like he's just overthinking his shots when he's one on one with a because he's still getting one on one opportunities with the keeper, which is you know still. I mean, that's good. That's really good. Uh, but he just makes bad shot choices in those situations, and they just end up going right at, either right at the keeper or trickling by the post or banging so, him off the post for from four yards out which which yeah. is really weird because that's that would that was one of the things that that he was actually really good at you know a couple of years ago was if he was one-on-one against a keeper you know i'd put my money on mikey every time right um but yeah so it's if it's confidence if it's yeah you know, if, if it's a fitness thing right if he's lost a little bit of a step and he's just trying to and it's taking him too much effort to get that opening and then by then he's just you know not ready for that one last move that he needs to make it. Yeah. Be interesting. Do you, do you have anybody else, uh, Dustin on your list? Yeah. And this one's not necessarily a disappointment on the field so much as it just makes me disappointed and, and makes me sad as uh, Paxton Pomacall, uh, having to go have surgery, uh, just kind of a disappointing season way to end the season, you know, uh, for him where we all kind of, mm-hmm. we're looking at this as, okay, he's healthy again. Uh, he's going to get some minutes and we're going to see really what he's made of. And then he's not healthy anymore. So, um, I, I really wished we would have, uh, seen, seen, been able to see some more from him this season. So, yeah. And what, what's interesting was I, I would, I, well, I'd agree Dustin on Paxton. I think we've, you know, last year too, he struggled with fitness ever since he got back from the, the under 20 world cup. Right. So, uh, and, you know, no matter how many times we asked him, including, you know, I think that was our, our last in-person interview was with Paxton, uh, the date before they, yep. they shut things down. Uh, oh, I feel 100% I'm great. Everything's, you know, so I, I think we've, we've, we can now just assume that when Paxton says he feels great, uh, it might not, might not be true. Um, with, when Steve called out Jesus, the, the first thing that came to my mind was, man, I didn't even think about Jesus. And that's, that's a bad thing, right? It's, it's it's almost like he's not a consideration anymore. And that's, I mean, it may be because I'm just thinking of people who have been recently starting and he's kind of gotten off that rotation, but, um, three games, three games. We haven't seen him. It's, 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 it's weird. And, and and we know that Lucci really likes him, um, and would continuously try to play him even if i think some of us who follow up fcd or or write about it were questioning is that really the right fit why, why are we going to see him at 10 again right uh begging for paxton which of course we didn't know paxton was hurt um but the i mean the, the fact that you know i don't even think about jesus is kind of one of the 
the key guys to be worried about. Uh, maybe it's the opposite of Santos, where my expectation was really high, and so it's it's upset. I'm upset that he's not playing well. Uh, but in that same mold, almost is is Cervania. Uh, I was, I thought when Acosta went down, my first thought was, all right, this is it's Cervania's time to to, to shine, and maybe uh, maybe Acosta is going to have trouble getting back in the starting lineup. Um, and that might be true, but it's not because of Cervania. It's probably because of Tessman, right? So, yep. um, it's, so, so I guess that, that, I mean, Tessman positive thoughts, right? A guy that I thought of nothing about at the beginning of the season. He wasn't even a first team player. Right. Um, uh, and then Cervania, who I think I was expecting quite a bit of, um, he just, he doesn't look, I don't know what it is. He, he, he looks rusty. I guess that's probably a, a, an apt description, right? Whenever we see him on the play on the, on the field. He looks to me like he's missing just a little bit of pace right now. Just a little bit of foot speed, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if some of that's just the on and off again, part of this, of this season. So, um, you know, that they just haven't gotten into that, into that fitness, but uh, it'll be. I mean, obviously, we're eleven games in. I think that there's twenty four, if I remember right. So twenty three. Twenty three. Okay. Yeah, that's what, the, what we we hope. That's what they're aiming for. All right. So we are almost exactly halfway through. So there's still opportunities, but yeah, that's sure. that. Those are the guys that jump out to me. All right. Well, this concludes our grading session. Um, kind of our midseason check in. Uh, FC Dallas, go, like we said earlier, they go to Atlanta on Wednesday, 6 p.m. There's, uh, there's probably a lot to talk about there, but we're going to go ahead and, and call it a night here. So, um, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. Ah, uh, boys, it's been a pleasure. Anytime. Uh, you can find Steve on the broadcast call uh, for FC Dallas TV. Um, where else can we find you, Steve? Uh, on Twitter, Steve Davis 90 and... Uh Unless you look at some corporate stuff or you or less of coaching your kid, that's about it for now. All right. Any way we can support you or you know, like send people your way? Anything? Anything? Yeah, listen to me on your uh, on on your uh, podcast. All right. Hey. <laughs> um. All right. If you like the show, you can hit your subscribe button in your podcast app. You get all the episodes right there in your podcast app without even having to think about it. They just show up when we publish them, and you can enjoy every last one of them. If you want to hear more from us, you can see us online as at Dallas Soccer Show at, on Twitter and at DallasSoccerShow.com. I'm Dustin Nation for Jonathan Ross. Take it easy, everybody.